0: you look as though you have been rocked to your core. Dave, you have no idea. I was last night at the Hollywood Bowl where I saw Mm. my favorite singer Cat Power and Garbage and Alanis Morissette. Oh, man. A 90s kid's dream. Just a murderer's row of icons and Mm -hmm. it was so thrilling to see. I mean, Shirley Manson is 55 and is mm-hmm. just a fucking rock star uh, as mm-hmm. ever. Always and there are moments where she is we're on stage and we're looking at her and Michael was like, you could tell me that this footage was from 1997 and I would believe it. Like she is something about yeah. her. As soon as she starts performing um, just completely, she, she, she just sort of steps right back into it. And Alanis is such a powerhouse i i think we forget how incredible her voice is like i was saying to you yeah. before it's, she, she could be like an opera singer the amount the, the the control right. and the range that she has is just so great and it was so cool to see them now where it feels like the world has fully embraced and fully sort of appreciated her contribution yeah. and just how awesome she is that there was a period of time where it was like I, uh, we liked her i hate to say it but ironically not not we but that mm. th- th- there was a certain treatment of her um and th- yeah. now we're all sort of just unironically uh, you know owning that she's just one of the greatest of all time one of the absolute greats takes it takes a full 20-year nostalgia cycle sometimes sometimes it do for us to uh, to fully embrace you are coming to us live from I, austin yes. texas from Austin, Texas. Ben and
1: I found ourselves with a few days where we were like 10% less busy than we have been in the last few months and we were like let's just get the hell out of here. So we got it's we're here for the week between weekends of the Austin City Limits Festival. Which I guess is why the the room and the tickets were so cheap. There's still shows around town for bands that are that are in for the festival. Duran Duran is playing somewhere tonight. It's like a secret show. I'm gonna try to get into. Mm. Uh, we're gonna see Bob Mold. Um we we landed yesterday on Tuesday and uh and had a quick dinner. And then we're like, all right, let's let's go to a gay bar. There was, there was, uh, there was drag queen bingo. At a place called uh, the Iron Bear, we said that's absolutely all the way right. We went, and um, so there were four games of bingo. Matt, I won two. I didn't mean to win two. Wow! And, and I like those odds. Like as soon as, but as soon as I won the first one, I was like, "Oh, winning a drag queen bingo is terrible." <laughs> um, because then you get the full attention of the drag queen. Right. You know what I mean? Which right. is not always what you want. Mm. It's not always what you want. Uh, and it's Ben's worst nightmare. So I I won the first one. I think I won some sort of mystery shot, um, which actually was not bad. It was like the bartender right. whipped up some sort of concoction, but it was fine. The, the second thing I won was um, one of the drag queens just emptied out her purse on top of my head. So they're like, it's like the thing where you're, in the box full of dollar bills and you got oh, yeah. whatever you can, right? So yeah, so it was just take whatever you can from my purse. So I so I did. One of the things that fell out, Matt. I I got a battery, I got a cigarette lighter, but also one of the things that was in there was an actual Swiss Army knife with the blade out. It oh. just hit me right on the top of the head. Jesus Christ! Yeah, it was like oh we're we're fully in Texas right now. Ooh, <laughs> like it was you know we whatever made a show of it, and then the, literally the director was like, did I? Did I cut your head open? Let's take a look at you. She did. She did. She Thanks didn't. Right. But did you keep the Swiss Army knife? I did not keep the Swiss Army knife. I do not need it um, as much as a drag queen in Texas mm-hmm. probably. Uh, um, so uh, yeah, but I did. Yeah, it was it was a wild it was a wild evening. It was a Tuesday, a, a debauched Tuesday. And what else and is uh, on the agenda while you're there? Literally, nothing. naps, naps and meals. Um, you know, things are and you know and press for waiting for impact to Dave Holmes passion project coming to you uh October 12th that's right um we're we're, we're getting toward launch day very excited're we're, we're still on the charts people are rating it even though it doesn't exist yet I'm getting some five star ratings which I love because it, how can you possibly know uh what what you're rating because we know we know also getting a couple of four star reviews which I think I
0: like even better <laughs> like this thing that I haven't heard yet. It's pr- I mean it could be better. Yeah, be better. I've got some notes. There are certain areas that yeah, I'm uh, yeah. questioning. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um but yeah, so we're we're just we're we're just what we're doing is not being in Los Angeles and and it's already changed everything. You know, so you got to fill that tank up. You got to fill yeah. the tank up. I've been feeling a little a little burnt out. It's nice to it's nice to be here and fill up with uh new sights and new sounds
0: and queso. Mm. God, Mm, mm, mm. I envy, you know, but when this drops, I will be in Salt Lake City. You're living it. I will also be doing my own little getaway. Uh, Mm. We are going with uh, Casey and Danielle, our dear friends from from Bitch Sash. They, of course, will be Uh, uh, creating content out of the trip because how could they not? Because we are going to, you know, ground zero of the Housewives of Salt Lake City. So I shall report back. I'm hoping to get my eyes on a couple of them. Oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, listen, we'll we'll see it. It
1: will exist in the Bitch Sesh universe. Absolutely. And enjoy yourself on the Salt Flats. Uh, In this week's episode, we have a a wonderful young comedian and school teacher. Yes. uh, Joe Dombrowski. You know him uh, from he did a little April Fool's uh, spelling test prank on his students. They got him featured on Ellen. Ellen just ate him up. Uh, and now he travels the world as a stand-up uh, comedian, but also when he gets a chance, he's a kindergarten teacher because he's apparently the most patient human being
0: in the in the world. Comedy club crowds and actual children. How does he do it? And yeah, his, uh, his tour is called Indoor Recess. His podcast is called Social Studies. He is Joe Dombrowski, and he is here. We did it. We did it, Joe. We're here. We did it. We're here.
2: We're queer. We're everywhere. We're used to it. Joe Dombrowski, how are you? I'm great. It's a beautiful rainy day here in Seattle, wow. so no complaints. Ooh, <laughs> lovely. Yeah, That's nice.
1: Do you get Do you get a proper autumn?
2: No. So it's a quick change from summer to rainy season, which goes all the way uh, to next summer, which is about four weeks long.
1: Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. All
2: right but uh but how how is your late pandemic going it's actually going really well i'm back on the road back on tour and that is it's so weird to have that just like ripped under you out of nowhere it's just gone and you're just like stewing and uh to be performing again i'm just like yes i'm a complete person
0: but it also must be weird to be back like are are the audiences masked like how is it Working. Yeah, it's How's typically it a
2: mask-up, vax-up situation, but it is still weird. It's a really weird feeling, it's a really weird feeling, because I'm at the point still where touring is my main bread and butter. I'm not on any shows right now. I'm not anything. It's touring. So, you boys got to work, right? And I... And uh, I'm leaving it into the, uh, the, the mind of the beholder. Like if you're down to clown, come to a show, there are restrictions, but a lot of people still are like, I'm going to wait for next year and I'll catch you when you, when you do it next time. I'm like, cool. That works for me too. But, um, the overwhelming majority has been very positive and it's been a very, a very nice, a nice time being back out there. Uh So
0: you're in Seattle now. Where, where are you headed from here?
2: so I just did um Tacoma which was nice because I got to sleep in my own bed for once but after this I'm in San Diego so soak up some sunshine that I'm not getting of course you've earned it so all throughout this uh while you have been sitting at home stewing what mm-hmm. have your uh what have what has your pop culture diet been it's been very cult documentary heavy okay it's very it great pop- yeah um fell in love with sister wives oh oh Oh. just like went in on sister wives and then i just watched everything about every cult every mlm anything you Uh could even imagine and also fell in love with botched talk
0: to us about lulu rich lulu rich i know you just discussed this on your podcast dave have you watched are you familiar i have not fill me in i'm sure everybody's seen it but it's uh it is a i think four-part amazon series about um the multi-level marketing company lulu row which makes the like hideous uh leggings but that's what they're famous for and and an excellent excellent uh docu-series about
2: that scam falling apart and uh I, i mean what was your experience that show. oh this is why I loved it it combined two of my favorite rabbit holes to fall down cults and MLMs and it's just like those two things bred and had a little baby and called it LuLaRoe and then they made a documentary about it and I was sucked in sucked in so it was a cult too it okay not officially but when you when you're from outside eyes looking in It's a cult. There is a leader. They are charismatic. They will suck you in. They will take your money. You will feel Uh, like you owe everything to be a part of this. There is like crooked, crooked crime left and right. It's a drama. It's so good. Oh, it's so good. They're all uh,
0: cults, essentially, to some degree, MLMs. I I grew up in an MLM household, so it was really... Uh, painful to watch at certain points. Luckily, my mom escaped the cult, or I guess they they went under. What was it? Uh, yeah
1: how do how have I never heard
0: this? My mom was in. Uh, it was called Beauty Control, and it was a competitor of Mary Kay and Avon mm. cosmetics, skincare, and she was f- for the most part, like one of the ones who was doing very well. So for the most part, we weren't seeing the dark side of it. Like you were with a lot of, but I know, but it has to be happening to people. Cause it's all the same business model. You got to spend a ton of dough to, you know, get started. Um, but she was one of the women who was like always like, uh, getting flown down to Dallas yeah. to meet with ginger Heath, who was the, she was there, um, what was what's the woman's name who who runs Lulu Row? Who is Tammy Fay Baker? Um, oh. <laughs> she's basically yeah. Tammy Fay Baker. Um, anyway, but all this to say, there is an amazing um, TV movie called I think it's called Hell on Heels, and it's about the rivalry between the real Mary Kay and Ginger Heath, who ran Beauty Control, played by Shirley MacLaine and Parker Posey. What they're this? like shading each other in church on a Sunday. Uh, it's Excellent. Anyway, they're no longer with us. And Ginger Heath is a racist uh, Trump supporter. And she can fuck all the oh, way up. I'm, off. Oh, I'm watching that. Wow. Who also has, and I am not I'm not one who shames anybody for getting work done because I'm going to get it all done. But the irony, the irony that she is so, so filled and yanked after, like, spending her life, you know, convincing women that they all they needed to do was buy beauty control to reverse the aging process anyway
2: what's her name dina or deanne from lularoe she was the same way and dave she was actually convincing women who were in it if they were too big to go down to tijuana and get their stomach snipped to lose weight and she would like give them the hookup and do all this like uh, off the grid surgery to get him even skinnier yeah. and then she did you see what she looked like when she got hers done I was like girl this is not a healthy situation for you oh, what happened? it was dark what, it tell was so me, dark what, happened? She, what, what did she, she she went down to Tijuana and she came back and she looked like I, and again, no shaming, because I'm going to get it all done, too. Tales of the Crypt, house down, like, done, sunken in face. Like, it was bad. I'm like, girl, you need protein in your life. Like, this is not the look. This is not cute. But she was, she was working it, and she made all Jesus. the top people go get it, too, which was wild. Wow. She has,
0: I will say, as much as she is clearly like a, you know, M- maniac she has evened out nicely, I will say. In terms of her
2: I okay. do agree. I do agree. I do agree. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh
1: would you uh would you join a cult slash multi-level marketing scheme? What would it take for you, Joe,
2: to join a cult? Like one really good YouTube video. Not much. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Not okay. much. All right. no, okay. I got two stories for you. One. Right, okay, Matt. I'm gathering you're a little bit more familiar in the world world of cults. I probably go there a little more than Dave, but I think okay. we're we're both fans. Great, great. great. We're cult fans, uh, sure. So when I say Nexium, it sh- sends a little shiver down your spine. Of course. Of okay. course. So Nexium started with these like. Like a leadership call, like very motivational, very leadership, very like be a better person, make yourself great. And when I was in college, like that was me. Like I was volunteering at all these summer camps for children with severe and terminal illnesses. Like I loved anything, leadership, self help. And then when the Nexium documentary came out, they showed clips of the YouTube video, recruitment videos that they used to use. I was up in my dorm in college watching those things. Like, yes. I'm telling you if there was a Nexium meeting next to the cornfield that I called college I would been in. In. Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow. So they were not that they were successful with their viral marketing, but only to an extent, because if they were really good,
2: they would have found a way to get your money without you having to to show up. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. And also, I don't really know that those videos at the time were considered marketing as much as they were as they were uploading them as like their own Rolodex of info for their for their people, because I don't really think right. like digital marketing was really heavy then. You know, so I had l- sought this out on my own pretty much. Wow. Yeah. So y- you really could have fallen down. The- you could have ended up with the the um, groin tattoo. Well, oh, 100%. 100%. And then, and then it went further. So I was involved in something that was very Lula Rich adjacent, where mm. it wasn't illegal. It was not an MLM and it was not a cult. But it was. And I later. What was it? I can't. I cannot say because it's like a. Oh, shit. It's like a. It has potential to be a scary one, like the one that's like science and biology put together. It's like that, but it's not yet. However, I do look back on these situations and I'm like, that happened. These things happened to you. Right. Like, and it's. And at the time, I was just like, just happy to be here, you know? very yeah yeah right. Yeah. and right. all these cults can i just say why don't they love the gays why don't they love the gays
0: they are missing an opportunity frankly we were saying my um, we were watching the lulu rich ones we were like where's the friendly gay guy hawking the leggings like he he would have made a killing i mean clearly they were um you know bigoted religious people uh and there was no place for them but my mom used to send me the beauty control catalogs and that was that were the um the newsletters for that highlighted the top salespeople and anytime there was clearly like a young gay guy she'd circle his (laughs) face it was just like letting me know you could this could be be yours (laughs) wow
1: so i have like an acquaintance from uh from home who um is okay has like devoted her life to uh inexpensive
2: costume jewelry and and the and the the sale thereof, right? You're going to get um, me involved. I'm going to be selling this by the end of this podcast. I you might be. It. You might
1: be. It's um <laughs> it is a, uh yeah, there's a, a company that it, it basically it's every week there's a new unboxing or a new, you know, we're having a, you know, our sales team is meeting in, you know, Branson, Missouri or whatever. And there's, she's always crying and it's, you know, come join my $5 family because it's all $5 or less like jewelry or whatever. And it's like i am counting down the days until she is featured in a in a prestige documentary oh, yes. about how this is like fully a scheme um i've seen you know it's it was started by mormon people so make i don't know so maybe mm, a, a red flag right there i don't know if that makes it more or less likely that it's more, more,
2: more, more, more. more,
0: very much more. (laughs) Is that
2: like happenstance? But it, it is like often like over in Utah is where this stuff often starts and it's more often than not. Mormon people, no no shade, but it's just an observation.
0: Okay. Okay. No, it's
2: true. Uh, Like I do
0: think Culturally, there's a lot of emphasis placed on financial success and uh, and also community and keeping things within the community and loyalty to the community. So I don't know. I'm going to Salt Lake next month on a little sojourn, and I'm going to be exploring. Are you a Real Housewives person? Joe? I'm
2: okay. We'll say Real Housewives light, but yes, I am familiar okay. with the chaos that is Real Housewives Salt Lake yeah what's going on
0: there Matt oh, I will be spending a weekend going to Heather's spa we're going to try to peek into Mary's church I don't think it's uh, open for business right now maybe find Meredith's jewelry pop up or whatever it is I'll report back and I'm sure I'll be, <laughs> be recruited into a cult by the time I, I return it's, home it's mandatory that you report back I need to yeah. know what goes <laughs> down <laughs>
1: You absolutely must. Also, recently I was on like a health sort of retreat weekend thing, like a press to uh, trip for a, a yoga and and meditation and breathwork app. That is a very good app. It's called Open and it's and it's great and they have like live sessions and on-demand sessions and whatever and and breathwork is amazing. Um the the way that they guide you through it. But um but we you know ate vegan for a weekend and had long yoga classes with live music and whatever. And it, and the people who run it are all like, you know, beautiful and multicultural and and like super healthy and essentially levitating and like I, I to- Toward the end of the weekend, I was like, "This might be a cult, and yep. I might be down to join it." Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I, like, it doesn't take a whole ton for me either. Just some friendly faces. Can yeah. I talk
2: to you about the breathwork situation? Sure. My, well, we I like am. My understanding of breathwork is very like. Interpretive dance of the face with like deep exhales and right. lots of emotion. Is that yes. like accurate? I did not do the
1: face dancing myself, uh, and I didn't really see anybody doing it either. Um, but my eyes were closed, so who knows? But um, but it, what it is is like you know you like you breathe in and, and fill up the belly, and then you breathe in further and fill up the chest, and then exhale, and you do that in a rhythm. Right. Um, over and over and over. And after a while, like very quickly, actually, you do your temperature changes like you get very hot and then very cold. Um, it, it's it does. It's like it brings it oxygenates the blood or something. I don't actually I'm not I'm not a scientist, but it's uh, but it does feel great like you. It it does kind of like supercharge your meditation practice a
2: little and bit. at what point of the retreat did you guys do hiawatha hiawatha is a person uh <laughs> i uh, i think you think ayahuasca Waska.
1: which we did not do but i did separately another time oh i'm so jealous at a house in laurel canyon with a bunch of rich hippies and it was for sure going to become an orgy um, oh, if I spent okay. the night. in fact, I'm sure it did become an orgy. I didn't spend the night. Um, many people took a second dose after, after, you know, like the first one sort of petered out. Uh, yeah. Um, I, once the sky stopped breathing, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work out go now. <laughs> um, but yeah, but it was, uh, it was, you know, it was, I, I, I don't know that I had the full like, you know, crying breakthrough that a lot of people did during the breath during one breathwork session though we did like fully scream at the top of our lungs and it was deeply cathartic
2: i like that that's also the breath work that Mm. i'm minimally familiar with yeah the app is called open and it's very good fyi yeah i'm
0: sold another call i'm ready to join um joe uh we have to talk about your career we will of course get to the iconic video that started it all but um you believe it talk to us about you know, incorporating teaching elementary school and also stand up
2: comedy and how that path has uh, all worked out. And how did it begin? What did you want to be growing up? I was a stand up comedian for my third grade talent show when I was eight. No, sir. Oh, great. You were ready. Do you remember what your your opener was? Yeah, I stole all my jokes from a local magician. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> and then just did it before I knew that was bad. But I also I grew up like we are a comedy family, and I'm the funny one. But we did grow up in a comedy family, so I grew up watching Kathy Griffin, Ellen, Rosie, Wanda Sykes. Like it was like we watched a lot of comedy and a lot of female comedy actually. And uh I was in in like middle school. I was reciting Ellen sets and just like doing this and <laughs> loving it. Um, and then I, I had been doing stand-up before I started teaching as an adult. Um, so by the time the video came around, that is true. People are like, oh, this video. And then and then you started doing stand-up. It's like, ha-ha, not true. I've uh, been doing it for... This is my 13th year uh, doing stand-up for real. And uh, just sort of was making a name for myself in the Detroit area, which is where I'm from. And I was teaching at the same time. Because I don't know if you guys know this, but teachers are... Um, Poor, Mm -hmm. right so (laughs) Mm -hmm. i'm working these i was i'd wake up at five o'clock in the morning teach a spin class go go home shower teach fourth grade go home shower teach another spin class shower again do a set and that was just to put like gas in my car buy groceries like at this point in my life i'm not even kidding you and i was not living a lavish life at all I would get my paychecks and the next day have to decide between groceries or gas. And if I'm riding my bike to work or driving or in it, like that is the life of a a teacher within the first five years, especially. Um, But then the sets that I was doing when I was really like finding my voice and really figuring out what worked for me on stage. One day I just went on stage blank and told a story of what happened in elementary school as a teacher, as a gay teacher that day. And it worked. And ever since then, I really started like picking it up and, and letting it out on stage and just telling these wild stories that people couldn't even imagine are true. And then one day there were parents in the audience. I went out to do my set. There were parents, right? And I told... Did I you no know they idea, were there? They were sitting front row. And when I got out there, I was, I was... You know how when you're on, you're like, you're 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 on autopilot but you're thinking about everything but like the cameras on or you're on stage and i remember walking out and doing my like intro like just like hello and i was thinking i can either do my set that i know works or change it cuz they're here and potentially bomb so i went with what i knew worked and i did my teaching set and they waited after the show for me. I'm like, They're, this is bad. And they were like, we love you. We loved it. You were talking about our kids. We know it. We, It's true. It's all true. Oh, my God. And they loved it. And then it started to, like, trickle where I have, like, more parents from the school showing up. They know I'm a comedian now and staff members. And then my boss came, my very first boss ever. And she, the next Monday, came into my classroom and shut the door behind her. And she's like, you... Have a gift. And if you don't tackle it, I'll be very disappointed. You did a very nice job. I'm really proud of you. And then I was like, okay, let's hit the ground running. And then the rest is history. Just did as many shows as I could. Write I write every day, still, still do. And uh then the video happened, which was not a mistake. And it was it was game over. It was like, let's go, doggy, let's do this. And yeah, that is that's it i'm sure i'm sure everybody
0: has seen the video but um for those who haven't was this very very viral video of you giving your students a fake spelling test as an april fool's day prank you're making up ridiculous words there is a uh uh, ralaska reference in there for the drag race fans And it blows up and eventually lands you on Ellen, which must have been such a surreal
2: moment, considering you used to literally memorize her sets. you want to talk about surreal when I I'm in after the video started to really go viral. I had to go to a family reunion, which happened to be in Disney World. And I was in Epcot on the Finding Nemo ride, which is narrated by Ellen as Dory and I said to my partner, I was like, wouldn't it be so crazy if like they called to invite me on the show? And we walked out of the show, we walked out of the ride and I'm not kidding you within five minutes. I got my first phone call to, to come onto the show, which was like, I'm like, this is, wow, fake. this isn't real. Like this is Disney magic in my phone. Like this can't be true. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So how was it? Unbelievable. Unbelievable.
1: What was your nervousness level?
2: So this was the, you in comedy your first big step typically is doing a late night set and that's your first national exposure which at this point in my career was kind of like what I was gunning to maybe break into and now I'm on Ellen which arguably is like even bigger like this is daytime this is exactly my demographic like this is exactly what I want to do and I just I couldn't believe it so nerves like everything I'm telling you about the experience from this point out is a blur. It's what I've been told. (laughs) But, uh, the, the interesting part about it out of anything was that they were familiar that I was a working comic on top of teaching. And they said that you are, um, wholesome teacher who did this video and now you're here and that don't, don't try to be funny. This isn't your last comic standing audition. Just, uh, Be yourself and let's see what happens. And I was like, well, I am funny. So, like, let's see how this goes. Yeah, sorry. And, uh, And then they also told me, they were like, if Ellen doesn't talk to you or gets up and gets a cup of coffee in between commercial breaks or anything like that, like, don't get offended. She's working like this is her job. And I'm like, got it. Just happy to be here. So I'm sitting there we do the intro. It's great. We cut to the first commercial break. She stays in her seat and she turns to me and she goes, Hey, I, I heard that you're a comedian. And I was like, I am. She's like, yeah, well, um, I watched your stuff. You're very funny. And I was like, well, thank you. And she goes, no, you're, you're very funny. You need to do something with that. And I, and then it cut back to the show. And I was like, this is not wow. even true. So then that really lit a fire under my ass. And I I had maybe about like a 47-minute set. And I rounded it off with more, made it 60, and then just hit the ground running and started using that exposure to get into other places than Michigan. And got a really big break at Caroline's Comedy Club in New York City. Uh, Lou Ferrando runs that. And he was such a huge supporter. And after the show made time for me the next day and he was like, wherever you want to go, I will vouch for you. I will call them and I'll tell them you got the chops. You can do this. And then it did. And then I was just picked up and then it just went. It was, it's really crazy.
0: And once it started to snowball, you had to leave teaching. uh, I'm assuming, which must've been such a bittersweet
2: decision. I, I didn't leave teaching for, for a long time.
0: Well, how did you do it
2: at the same time? So here's the thing. I still, to this day, love teaching. It is the most fun job because it's different every day and you don't know what could happen. And it's just so engaging and, and powerful. But I also love comedy. And my whole thing is you can make it to the top by multiple ladders and it's okay to switch from ladder to ladder as long as you keep climbing. So I had entertainment telling me you have to quit teaching and I had teaching telling me you have to quit Comedy and I'm over here like, no, nobody has chartered these waters before, and I got this. Like, I can do this. So I stayed in the classroom and I just made it work for me. So I had one substitute that I worked with with anytime I had to be out of the classroom. She was who worked for me. So the kids always had a familiar face. So it wasn't too jarring for them. I always had my plans in weeks before I had to leave. And I I rode that until it was too much. So When it turned too much, I actually went on tour in uh, Australia and Canada. And that was the first year that I took off. And then the pandemic happened and all my tour was canceled. And I'm like, what am I going to do now? So I went back. I just found a job right down the street from my house. I'm like, I have the skills. I have the credentials. Teachers all over the country are leaving the classrooms at an astronomical rate because they're a little bit older and COVID's happening. And I was like, I'm healthy. I think, I think, like, let's go in. So I applied, got a kindergarten job, and taught kindergarten all last oh, wow. year in, in the middle of a pandemic. And it was the best year of my career. And then now I have an opportunity to, to be back on the roads. And I knew it wasn't probably going to be appropriate to go from, you know, flying all over and then back into the classroom for the kids and the family's sake. So now I'm off again. And if the opportunity ever it presents itself for me to help out in schools. As a teacher, I'll, I will do it again because I don't think that, that anybody's gonna write my journey for me. Like I will, I will write it. So I, I do what I want, what I can. Wow, that's incredible. Thank you. If you like homophilia,
0: and I hope you do, you're gonna love Add to Cart. Add to Cart from Lemonada Media is a super fun series that explores modern-day consumerism. It is hosted by comedian Kulop Vilaisak, who's one of my best friends, and journalist Sujin Pak, who is an icon. And uh, by the way, you should look up her 2003 interview with Britney Spears because it's a masterclass in the art of the interview. Anyway, each week, Kulop and Sujin unleash their unbiased opinions on products and fads, celebs, philosophies, anything else on their mind. Add to Cart is about the things we buy and the things we buy into. Like, does kombucha have staying power? Are we over TikTok yet? Is that cult we learned about on a true crime podcast maybe possibly our higher calling? If you have spent time board shopping and have occasionally asked yourself, why did I just buy that? Or who have I become? This is the show for you. Add to Cart from Lemonada Media has new episodes dropping each Tuesday. Subscribe to Add to Cart on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. So we've been entertaining by the pool,
1: me and the guy, having some friends over to just kick back and cool off. It is still extremely hot here in Los Angeles. Uh, And the beer of choice when we do this is Miller Lite. Because it is delicious, it is refreshing, and it doesn't make you feel like a big bag of bloatation. You don't get that overfull feeling that some beers can give you. You want to keep it tight around the pool. You know what I'm saying? Miller Lite is the beer for you. They're the original light beer. They're, since 1975, they've been the beer with the taste you can depend on. No games, no gimmicks. Just great beer for people who like beer. Like you and me. Miller Lite, great taste, 96 calories. Go to MillerLite.com forward slash homophilia to find delivery options near you or go to the store. Miller Lite is available everywhere they sell beer. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces.
0: and what's it like when you're back in the hall in in the classrooms and i'm sure a lot of the kids have seen your stuff fellow teachers know that you have a a, you know degree of fame now what what are those dynamics like
2: well luckily i really like working with the youngest kids so they don't really know or, or have any sense of social media or anything like that but um I have had fifth graders try and sell my autograph online. That is, yeah, they, they're like, I'll sign their, I'll sign their tests when I'm grading it. And then they will make, (laughs) they'll make make Instagram videos and they'll say, uh, would I get a thousand followers? This will go, this will go to the thousandth followers. So follow me. If you want Mr. D's (laughs) autograph, it's wild. (laughs) And then, um, it, it it takes a little bit of finessing to get parents to understand that i like truly love this and i'm i'm here as an advocate for kids and when i'm in the classroom like i'm here to do a job for you and your child but after i build those relationships and prove that to them it's like it's it's magic it's it's what you need to do but uh i I am a good teacher. I care a lot about what I do. So, anything that I put online about teaching or anything that I've done is in is never in like bad taste towards the kids. It's never a, a mockery. But also at the same time, teachers don't feel like they can tell the truth. Um you have to fit this perfect I call it I call them Mary Poppins people you have to fit this like mold and be practically perfect in every way and I think that's detrimental to teaching because kids need to see difference in who they have every single year in order to understand that the world and everyone you meet is different and I am very vocal about that and why I do comedy about teaching is so that people who are not teachers can laugh then get back in their car and be like is that what it's like that's crazy we need to do something about that and if non-teachers know that then things will happen because it's non-teachers who unfortunately make the decisions for teachers so you know there's a message behind behind the behind the laughs Mm.
0: how does teaching make you like like put you in touch with your own inner child like how does interacting with fifth graders you know take you back to your fifth grade self or your, you know, kindergarten
2: self. Oh man. You know, it's really interesting because as a young kid in elementary school, especially in the nineties, like gay was not like we weren't going there. So I didn't have any adult. I didn't have any adult like idols to watch or to, to look up to um, especially gay men. And that, messes with you a lot even as an adult so now my presence is just being a gay teacher is like unbelievably difficult because there's this wrong stigma against people gay people LGBT anything people in education and just like being my present self is to me what will change the world for you know, gay youth as they grow up because they will have someone to look up to they will know that we we are regular people who also care about you and care about the world, and there's so much more to us other than that and um being being able to serve children in that in a way that I wasn't served is is important to me,
1: yeah, it's crazy how brand new
0: the idea of being an out teacher
2: is, yeah, yeah, truly wild, truly it's, wild, yeah shocking
0: i'm from a, a very small town in rural ohio and i went back uh and visited like the elementary school there was a teacher who you know was not out i i i think it was fair to assume you know if we were buying into um every stereotype that this was a closeted gay man but um was a a teacher that I had as a child and was still there all these years later. And um and I said hi to him and how are you? And he goes, Well, I'm still here mm-hmm. with just burning rage on his face. Like, you fucker, you got out. And <laughs> you know, I can only imagine how difficult it is yeah. for
2: him. It's it. It's uh it's a sad place, especially for older teachers who I've met so many older gay teachers who just are like, like speak to me in confidence and private about like who they are and, and just like, can't believe what I'm doing. And I can, I will never like understand their journey, but it's their journey that makes me want to change what's happened. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: You mentioned a partner. You were in a relationship. I am. Yes. How did you meet? Tell us everything.
2: Um, a little thing called Tinder so uh yeah mm, a, a, a wholesome uh, dating super app the go, is wholesome. A super wholesome for the gays but whenever i tell a group of straight people this they're like oh my, oh my god i'm like okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have worse and like degrees of worse so oh, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so calm down um we met on tinder he was doing uh he was doing his mba uh university of michigan and i was teaching just outside and uh we matched and it was like wild i was just teaching at the time he would come to like my early comedy shows and things and it it really hit it off and um that was about six years ago and then after school he Got a job out here with a really big company um, that could potentially send people to space eventually, if you're Mm -hmm. picking up what I'm laying down. Mm -hmm. And we were like, Seattle, let's go. I was just starting to like tour for real. So there was really... And if I was doubling down on that, there was really no need to be in New York or L.A. at that time. So I was like, "Cool, let's do it. Let's see what happens." And it's been great. It's been awesome. Really, just kind of uh, recreating the saddle- Seattle comedy space when I'm home and being able to tour and uh, like live our lives. And we're so supportive of each other because uh, we're just our jobs are so different that it takes like a very specific type of person to handle being with a comedian, and that's yeah. him. And I'm just like, don't leave me. (laughs) That's great. Uh, When did you move in together? We moved in uh, when we moved to Seattle was when we moved in together. So about three and a half years ago. All right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Had you
1: lived with a partner before?
2: Never, never. never, No. And I like my ADHD is all over the map. So I knew that living with me was going to take an adjustment. And he like totally was like cool with it. Like just sort of was like, okay, we're going to close the cabinets after we open it to grab something. (laughs) I'm like, cool. Does it, he doesn't, he doesn't really get overtly mad about little things, which I'm, which is new for me, (laughs) but, but we work like we work so well together. It's wild. Sometimes I'm like, this is, this is real. It is.
1: I love it
0: i love to hear it and what was dating like prior to meeting him were you a relationship person were you dating a lot what was um, going on
2: a wee bit of a hoe but <laughs> but but definitely okay. Oh, great like, okay sprinkled in with early onset serial dating like in my l- like late college early 20s i was like dating. And then I was like, why are you consistently dating? And you have to unpack your own trauma to realize why you're doing that. So just would took some time off, really wasn't expecting anything when we met, which is why I think that works. Because, you know, what does Rue say? Rue says, you got to love yourself before you love anybody else. And it's the truest. Um, but before that, dating as a teacher was hard because believe it or not, a lot of people will fetishize that oh, like really almost oh, right away. God. Yeah. Yeah. And like ask you to like fuck in your classroom. I'm like, okay, unless you want to get E. coli, then no, like no. that's gross. Like, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that navigating those waters can be <laughs> fun. Yeah. 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 You mentioned ADHD. Yeah. Do you, were you using it colloquially or do you? know? Okay. <laughs> okay. It is running through me currently.
1: Okay. So how was that in your own personal educational
2: experience? Okay. In my personal educational experience. So as a kid, it was very, like, not. I am barely was a C student because I just, couldn't focus. I was just so creative and just constantly wanted to do like more creative things and sitting down and studying and like writing and doing math was like not doing it for me. So was never I performing kid until college because I was studying things that I actually liked. But um, now as an adult, I have a really new understanding of my ADHD, where I feel like it is my superpower and allows me to be successful in what I do. Because in the classroom, I thrive, especially in kindergarten, because there are a million things going on at once. Like I'm passing out papers, why she just stuck gum in her hair and then this one's flailing safety scissors and going to cut somebody else and then in two minutes you have to have them lined up and ready for recess or the principal's going to be pissed that you're late again and i can do all those things in right. 15 seconds because of my adhd and on top of that performing is my life kindergarten right. teaching is performance so when I just am able to find a job where I can be just who like I naturally am, that was really cool. That right. was really, really cool. And then comedy and teaching are they go hand in hand. Sure. Like my my students were my best hecklers and taught me how to handle the ones in the clubs. So it's just I don't know. I was I was I'm grateful to have been able to find that out about myself and right. my own ADHD journey.
1: Right. Did you grow up though in a time when we were talking about those kinds of things or did or were your teachers just like he's a daydreamer or whatever
2: yeah so i uh so by the time i was in third grade this was very where it was in america and we uh-huh. were throwing those things at all kids for anything and yeah. i was one who actually needed it uh and my parents were amazing they were not pro medicating me because they were like this is who my kid is like this is who he is like accept it or don't but we're not going to just give him medicine to change him and then my ADHD unharnessed went to very not good places of me just wanting getting into unsafe situations like like both physically and with what I was with how I was talking to people and and what I was doing so when we made the switch to medicate me, I think it was a great decision because what it did is it taught me how to function in the world. It taught me how to sit and listen and study and extract information and keep it. And I did that until about my uh, senior year of high school. And since then, I had really scaled back on my medication because I had learned the skills while on medication to be able to uh, retain important information and taught myself, like, how do you sit down and study and get better at something without giving up right away and, and all those necessary things that you need to be a successful human. Um, So since then, like my medication has been like on and off for years, and I'm currently heavy off, because I'm, I feel like I can live with my adhd and use it to my advantage
0: Mm -hmm. okay i just want to go back to when you when you quote um the teachings of mamaru about self-love and you had it seems like just kind of landed in that place when you met your boyfriend how did you get there was it therapy what what were your
2: means to enlightenment i think self-discovery and and the way to find that was to get involved in everything gay wise, like get involved in every aspect of like being gay. So at this point, I was like, like uh, King Twink, just tall, skinny, tight clothes, tiny. And that was because like I knew that physically, that's like who I was and what I fit in. But then I was like, why don't we try going to like other bars or maybe not even the bar, maybe go to like another gay event? And I met a freaking gay gardening group and and it started realizing like you don't you can connect with people outside of like sexually driven things and and dating and um but i grew up in this time too where it was like you're this you're never gonna be loved like you're not like gay people can't be um in successful relationships so i when i started to realize that that is why i was dating so heavily um it's when i realized that like we can all be different gays like we can all be different people and what's important is that like you focus on the person first not the compatibility um of you and that person and that's when that's when that shift definitely happened you
1: mentioned unpacking your trauma was that uh was that a therapeutic sort of process for you or yeah. was it
2: just like whatever uh, self-guided very okay 100% self-guided but Mm -hmm. also very therapeutic so i was in catholic school um from preschool to second grade and third Mm -hmm. grade is when i uh switched into public education but as a working teacher i now understand how those formative years of four years old to eight years old are incredibly important on like kids mental development and being young gay and in out in catholic school was not a good thing at all so there were times where I was like put into a coat closet like for weeks my desk was moved into the coat closet with no explanation just like that's where I am and hearing things from teachers like you're too fancy like stop being fabulous like things like that which are now words that in pop culture even like we own you know right and uh, growing up with that sort of um like narrative being spewed at you when you can't even understand why is is very hard um and and being raised in a very catholic house was hard to start to train my family as well a little bit of, of why this is harmful and things um but since then, like, my family has made incredible progress to be, like, where we're at today. And even along the way, we're just very um, supportive and understanding of their own downfalls in raising a gay ch- a gay son. Yeah. And how they could have changed that and just being able to, like, openly, like, admit and, like, genuinely apologize for, for um, acting out as a means of trying to, like, save and protect me when they now can look at that and be like, that was not anything that a parent should do. And, and, um, it's every day's a journey. Every, every day is a journey, but understanding what was happening to me is kind of when I was able to fully just be confident with who I am, both as a person and professionally. Wow. Yeah. How, and is your family still practicing? No, 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 they're not. They're not. I mean, um, they're not, not, but they're not. They're, they're totally believe in God, totally believe in, you know, the religion that they were raised, but they will tell you about its flaws and why yeah. and how that's not acceptable. Uh, I had, a <laughs> their my parents have a neighbor who lives behind and just moved in recently and they came over, um, preaching about this mega church that they go to. And my mom right away was like, that sounds like it was, it's really great for you. Like, what is the church's stance on, um, she says rainbow people. Cause it's all, all encompassing. She's like, what is your, what is your church's stance on that? And they were like, oh yeah, we don't really, um, we're not really for that. And she's like, you can get off my lawn. And I'm like, yes. Oh not, wow. Right. Huh? Yeah, yeah. So like, That's where, where we're at. Yeah. That's where we're at.
1: That's fantastic.
0: Mm-hmm. We love her. We do. How has working with kids and uh, since you
2: were in a long-term relationship made you think about um, having kids of your own? I mean, wouldn't be a teacher if that wasn't part of my journey. Like I love kids, love working with kids. On Morgan and I's first date, like we dabbled talking about kids and that was, we both knew if like the other person was like, yeah, I don't like kids, not going to be with kids. This relationship was not going to work. Um we will have kids report back in three to five years and there will be some running around me right now. It's like, I just, I have an overwhelming destiny to be a dad. I don't know what it is. I just know that that is what I am supposed to do and what I want to do. And I'm very excited to, to take that on soon. I'm excited for you too. Yes. We don't get that answer often. No, I know. I know. But that's the thing too, is like, I'm not afraid to be a little different. Like uh, so many of my friends in my gay circle are like not into this idea at all. And I'm just like, yeah, this is like definitely what I want for sure. All
0: right.
2: Joe Dombrowski. Thank you for being
0: here. Everybody should follow you, uh, at, uh, Mr. D times three. Why is it times three, by the way?
2: I'll be nice to you. I usually tell people it's because I'm a triplet, which is not true. But it is because at the time I was teaching third grade and it was like cute and rhymed. But now I'm like, I wish I just did Joe Dombrowski. I just kept it me. But the Mr. D stuck and the innuendos followed. So I'm just going to own it. Yeah, sure. It's a good one uh the podcast is called social
0: studies get it wherever you get your podcast you're listening to this you could probably figure
2: it out joe thank you for being here joe thank you thank you guys for having me this is awesome Yay. Homophilia is a
0: World of Wonder production Produced and edited by Kate Moldenhauer Special thanks to Randy Barbato, Fenton Bailey, Stephen Sims, Edward Bochniak And the whole team at World of Wonder We love you And theme music by my Ben Wise Yes, uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HomophiliaPod You can give us a five-star review uh, on Apple Podcasts mm. Thank you for listening, we love you